Hello, and welcome to another Forgotten Fantasy Podcast, a Gamersological production. Today, we will be continuing the Emperor Blood Saga. What's going to happen with Tanshi this time? In the last uh, podcast, he was... They found him. He was on the verge of being rescued. This time, we'll find out if he actually gets rescued. See how it goes. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 3 Demeter traveled to March without any calamity. Only a March trader could find the way through the crossing. They came out near the planet, and Demeter circled it while monitoring all signals. Anne sat in the control room and chatted with her. Andre's information said Tanchi was alive and free somewhere on the planet, a needle that would take a long time to find. Suddenly, Demeter said, Found him! Going down! Get in here, Anne shouted. They're executing Tanchi. Oh, my God! Demeter's descending into a dome stadium. I can't believe this! Men ran into the room. The view screen scanned the arena floor below. They were unable to remove their eyes from a burning Tanchi. Demeter lowered herself over Tanchi and sheltered him from the sun. Laser shots pinged off her sides. John and Anne ran to the armored Mendendek spacesuits and pulled them on. Fighters are coming, Demeter said. John and Anne, now! Demeter settled beside the enclosure. The sun shone on Tanchi. He screamed in agony. Anne and John seized their weapons and rushed out. Anne's laser cut through his chains. Tanchi fell to the stage. John picked up his shoulders and his legs. A miracle. Shots pinged off their armor or missed them. The available lasers couldn't reach the stage. They dashed back into Demeter. Up, Demeter, up, Anne screamed. The dome's closing. They dropped Tanchi in the hall. Andre and Maru threw buckets of cold water over him. Anne and John hurried into the control room. Demeter turned on her side and shot up like a frisbee, clearing the roof just before it closed. Police copters surrounded them, but Demeter whirled away. Anne studied the blips on the computer screen. There's a battle cruiser right above. Don't go into space. Uh-oh. Here come the fighters. John pulled a small screen towards him and lined up crosshairs to cover the blips. He pressed a joystick. The nearest fighters exploded, throwing firefly sparks across the view screen. All right, he yelled. Demeter streaked across the sky, heading northwest toward the wilderness and mountains. A fighter appeared in front of them. Anne lined up the crosshairs and pressed the stick. She grinned as the fighters exploded. Demeter floated up and over the debris. Unknown ship, you enter free territory. Identify yourself or be shot. A strange voice cackled over the computer as a soldier wearing a uniform with a green patch appeared on the screen. Shit. Now what? John said. I repeat, unknown vessel, identify. True and free. Demeter spoke the language of March. Rescue a prisoner from the new Puritans. Acknowledged, the answer came. Go ahead. Demeter zoomed into rebel territory and headed for the mountains. Guns from below shot down the remaining fighters and copters behind them. Demeter carried on chatter with their machines. Anne and John returned to the hall. Tanchi stared up without seeing. Dead? Anne said. Stasis. John and Maru help me, Andre said. Anne, bring me warm water, soap, and towels. Where will you put him? Maru asked. My room? No esteemed excellency. Anne is the cleanest. Anne did not protest, though no one asked her permission. They carried Tanchi to her, her bed. Maru, John, and Anne watched as Andre cut the pants from Tanchi's body and gently washed away the blood. I have to straighten his broken bones. This will take some time. 
Andre floated his hands, palm down, above Tonchi's chest. Ribs slithered beneath the skin. Andre felt his handiwork and gave a slight nod. He ran his hands over Tonchi's arms and legs, hands and feet, straightened them. He spit on his fingers and rubbed Tonchi's swollen face. The bruises lessened a small amount. Andre put a gas mask over Tonchi's face. Tonchi's body stiffened into rictus. No need for casts. The muscles performed that function. How many baboons do we have? He needs a lot, Andre asked. Only a few, Maru said. Actually, one. I ate the rest. Andre hissed at him. Maru's face twisted and he turned away. Stay out of the room. Andre strode to his bedroom and slammed the door in John's surprised face. Andre lost control of his psychokinesis. A tornado swirled inside the room. Have you found a safe way for us to head out to the crossing? Anne asked Demeter. No, a sky full of ships. I found a hidden valley in these mountains. Removing myself from their radar. Landing. Demeter settled it onto the ground. Scanning. No one following, though I'm sure they're looking. A thousand valleys in these mountains. Camouflage skin? Already done. How long till we're found, do you think? Maybe a few weeks, depending on how long the Puritans distract these rebels. A civil war. Who knew? A divided planet's good for the Menendek Armada. Yes. I should bring my futon in here, seeing as how my bed's now occupied, and his excellency's gaming in the parlor day and night. Anne walked into the hall. Andre was quiet. As predicted, Maru and John played a video game in the parlor. She slipped into her room and opened the closet. Demeter turned on a dim nightlight. Anne's eyes adjusted to the darkness. Tonchi lay on his back, arms frozen at his side, broken, swollen with bruises. That awful, disgusting cross burned into his chest. Didn't even look like himself. Anne's quilt was tossed over his bottom half. She hadn't even thought of Tonchi's nakedness when Andre was working over him. The hardness of his rictus seemed to have softened. A sigh escaped from Tonchi. So alone and vulnerable. She leaned over and stroked a piece of greasy hair off his bruised forehead. Tonchi's fangs snapped into her wrist. Anne screamed and tried to jerk away. His mouth stuck fast. She fell to her knees. His head dragged up off the bed. Blank eyes held her fast. Anne stared into a silent, dying pool. Cool dream depths invited. Moss, ferns, wept, wet earth. Her blood trickled into the pool, became part of him, shouting, shadow between them. Fingers on her wrist, a sucking sound, and her skin broke away. She collapsed on the carpet. John wrapped a towel around her spurting wrist. Overwhelming loss. Anne looked up. He gulped from Andre's wrist, eyes closed in ecstasy. Jealous, jealous, jealous. Andre got everything. Tonchi, she whispered. Tonchi's eyes flicked open and slid to look and capture her again. Get her out of here, Andre said. John grabbed Anne under the armpits and pulled her up. She leaned dizzily against him. No. Hun, you've lost a lot of blood. Come lie down. You need fluids, juice, some cookies. Maru stared at them from the doorway, his arms wrapped around himself. I'll get them. John and Anne stumbled to the parlor, and Anne lay down on the couch. Maru brought a small tray with a glass of juice and two cookies without a plate, and crouched down beside her. Mmm, served by a kuwang. Don't I rate? Anne gave a weak smile, took a cookie, and crumbled it in her mouth. She coughed at the dryness, and John held the juice to her lips. She gulped it down. 
What in the name of the moons were you doing in there? Andre stomped into the room. I told you to stay out of there. It is my room, Anne said. I thought you meant Maru. Me too, John said. Not too clear, love. Clear, Andre shouted. Doesn't take a genius to know he'd be blood mad. Why do you think I wanted the baboons? Maru sighed. You should sigh. It's your turn to see. Us? Maru slipped into his old language. Yes, you. Not so excellent. Think. A new concept around here. I can't give elder brother enough blood with humans around. Go on. Maru straightened. You know our duty. He walked to the door, then paused. Put my wrist in his mouth. Andre's voice softened. Go on. Give him the loyalty he freely gave you. Maru bowed his head and left. Andre sank down in the easy chair. John brought him the last baboon and more juice for Anne. To each his own, Andre bit down on the animal's neck, and Anne shivered. With horror or delight, she couldn't tell. Chapter 4 Anne unpegged the clothes and sheets from the outside line. The breeze snapped them around her. She breathed in the laundry's freshness and gazed across the valley. The afternoon light turned the snow on the tops of the mountains to fire and slanted from the low-lying clouds to the valley floor carpeted with spring flowers. She lifted her face to the warm sun. Freckles popped out across her nose. The breeze blew through Demeter and whisked out the stale air of space. Anne folded and put away the laundry. Maru, Andre, and John had woken up and watched an old championship soccer game in the parlor. It was new to Maru, she supposed. The stove timer pinged. The brownies were done. She put on the oven mitts, opened the oven, and grabbed the pan. They smelt heavenly. She pulled them out and turned around. Tanchi stared at her from the kitchen doorway. Anne squeaked and dropped the pan. The uncut cake bounced on the floor. She took a step back and felt the heat of the stove behind her. He pulled Anne's quilt closer around him and winced in pain. His eyes, black smudges beneath them, loomed large in his thin face. He glanced from her to the door of the animal room, then to the hall. Taunchy shuffled back down the hall. Anne picked up the crumbled brownies and put them back in the pan. Thank goodness she had just mopped the floor. Anne cut the brownies into squares. Most looked all right. She glanced down the hall. Facing away from her, Taunchy leaned gingerly against the wall by the entrance to the parlor. Maru shouted at a goal. Andre and John laughed. Taunchy bowed his head. He moved down the hall to his old room. He pushed the door open to Maru's mess, stood confused for a moment, and turned towards Anne's room. He leaned against the wall and slid down onto the floor between the rooms. Anne ran to him. You shouldn't even be out of bed. Let me help you back, Anne said. Tanchi shook his head. I don't mind you using my room. She went to grasp his arms and remembered they were broken. Vampires healed fast, but it had only been a few days. Not round his ribs, either. He should have casts on his arms and body. It occurred to her that no one knew he was awake. I'm sorry, Anne. Taunchy leaned his head against the wall. I'm always so sorry. Too bad those who hurt you never apologized. Taunchy snorted. Anne noticed his hair was damp and he no longer smelt bad. He smelled like Andre's soap. You took a shower? No wonder you collapsed. How'd you stand that long? I sat on the stall floor and used that handheld thing you have. Don't let Andre know you used his stuff. Smells like home. Feels good. I bet. I've cleaned fresh sheets I've just taken off the line. I'll change the bed. Nothing better than being clean in clean sheets. Anne left him in the hall and changed the bed. The old sheets stunk. 
She popped them right into the washer and Demeter turned it on. Anne got the tray and put a fresh cup of coffee on it. She added a bowl filled with blood fruit and bloodworms, carried the tray down the hall to her room, and put it on her bedside table. Come on. She helped Tonchi half crawl into the bed and between the fresh sheets. She took her quilt to be washed, then covered him with a spare duvet. Anne fluffed up her pillows behind him so he could sit up. She averted her eyes from the shiny raw crust up cross on his chest. Anne pulled her desk chair up to the bed. She knew he would no longer attack her. Anne picked up a bloodworm, stretched out her arm, and dangled it before him. Tonchi touched her bandaged wrist. Anne started and pulled her arm away. You're so good and kind and brave, he said. I can hold the prey. Put it beside me. My bones are almost knit. You don't have to bother with me. No need for pity. I can look after myself. I don't pity you. No one's braver than you. Anne put the worm back in the bowl. The fleet here, and Herod promises they'll come. They won't. Over a year. They should have attacked immediately. All for nothing. Why's the Kuang with you? Anne told him about Maru's rescue and the rendezvous with the pirates. You shouldn't have come here. Too dangerous. Andrea and Maru wouldn't agree. At first I thought they tortured you too. You can't let the Puritans come here. We're in rebel territory. Demeter will protect us until we get home. The fleet will come. No. Tanchi picked up the coffee mug in both his hands. His hands shook and the coffee slopped. Anne held her hands over his and helped him guide the cup to his mouth. He drank. When the cup was empty, he slowly fed on the blood fruit and worms. Tanchi finished and lay back on his pillows. Could you take the sheet and duvet off my feet, please? They hurt. I'm so tired. You've done a lot this evening. Anne pulled off the bedclothes. His feet were swollen, red and peeled. I've some cooling sunburn cream that might help. Anne took the cream of the loaf from her drawer and stroked it on. How's that feel? Good, cooling. My chest? Anne rubbed the cream over the cross. This is blasphemous. Tonchi didn't answer. He slept rather than falling into stasis. Hopefully a healing sleep. Anne put the cap back on the cream and put it away. She left alone his hair that had fallen over the widow's peak on his forehead. Anne hunted with the men, except for Tonchi still in bed. She watched in fascination as Andrea Meru calmed the animal. The deer fell to its knees and they fed together, one on each side of the neck. She returned with a sack full of kicking rabbits for Tonchi when he woke. There was no time alone to watch her soap operas, and they would mark, mock her show, she knew. Anne peeked in her bedroom. Tonchi lay on the far side of the bed away from the door and seemed in stasis. He wasn't dangerous anymore. Why shouldn't she use her own room? Her large computer screen hung in its place, perfect for viewing from the bed. Anne pulled over her desk chair and sat down, put in her earbuds and asked Demeter to turn on the next episode. The metal chair felt hard and she couldn't relax. Anne glanced at the unconscious Tonchi. It was her bed and no one had asked for her permission, not that she minded. Anne lay down on top of the covers. It felt odd having his silent body beside her, not what she had in mind in her romantic dreams. Soon she was absorbed in her show. She had forgotten this was the episode where Doris' king father died. With all the stress of the past few weeks, it was good to have a cry. Tanchi's fingers curled around her hand. Anne startled and looked at him. He said something. She took out the earbuds. You're sad, he said. Nothing like a good cry, she said. He stretched over with his other arm and brushed her wet cheek. You should never have to cry. 
do you good to have a cry. I don't cry. Tanchi stared at the screen. You were startled. Why aren't you afraid of me now? I don't know, Anne said. I'm just not. I'd like to watch this, Tanchi said. Demeter's translating bother you? I'd like to talk to you in standard someday. This will help me learn. No bother. You need anything? Animals? Coffee? I'm fine, thank you. They settled back to watch the show. Tanchi kept hold of her hand. Anne let him. Anne gathered the overalls and briefs from the clothesline. She had decided Tanchi should get up. It was a lovely evening, and everyone was sitting outside. Very well-bled venison sizzled on the barbecue. Wine and beer cooled. He could do with some fresh air and company. She walked down the hall to her room. Aru stood in the doorway of the room and stared at Tanchi, who slept on his side, facing away from them. He doesn't need another feed from you. Tanchi's eating animals, Anne said. He never fed for me. He wouldn't wake up, Maru sighed. He knew I was there. He seems all right. To you? What's that mean? Stupid status rules. You'd think civilization would end if we didn't follow them, Maru said. Really? You seemed keen on them a few weeks ago. Things change. I don't understand why she hates him and he lets her. Who? My mother and father. I know people are supposed to stay married during fertile time. Big humiliation if you don't. But among my bodyguards and servants, a few of them have parents who divorced before the kids grew up, and they actually get along like former lovers who aren't fertile. Or you have like me. My parents stayed married. My father beat my mother, and she let him. My religion, Anne said. The same religion that kept her a virgin and alone. For what? The Christians at the station didn't care. They stopped her taking communion for what her brother did. How can something be right that makes people suffer? Anne shrugged. Tanchi sighed. He eased onto his back and stared up at the ceiling. I've brought clothes for you, Anne squeezed by Maru. Come out and sit with us. It's a lovely evening. It'll make Andre very happy to see you recovering. Tanchi gave a slight shake of his head. You're self-centered and ungrateful. What? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Anne dropped the clothes onto the bed and strode out. Demeter closed the door behind her. Do you think he'll come out, Maru said. Wait a while. It's me that's the problem. No, it's him, Anne said. Addressed, Tanchi opened the door. I've been in hell for years and years. I know, Anne softened. Anyone would be depressed, but eventually you must physically move and relate to us, no matter how you feel. I don't feel sorry for myself. Anne sent him a look. Then you won't mind joining us. I've been up before. He narrowed his eyes at her. A shower was a start. Tanchi stepped out of the room. He tottered into the wall. Maru put an arm around his father's waist to steady him. Tanchi stiffened. Maru kept his arm in place. Tanchi took a deep breath. Thank you, my son, he said. Da! Maru's eyes filled with tears. They walked to the airlock, then down a short ramp to the ground. John had strung fairy lights around an awning and placed lawn chairs around the folding game table. The venison sizzled on a spit over a fire. Blessings from the lady! Andre jumped up, ran to Tanchi, and hugged him. Maru stepped to one side and hovered until his father sat down. John leaned into the portable pen grabbed a wild rabbit by the scruff of the neck and handed it to Tanchi, who drained it. That's what we like to see, Andre said. You'll soon be up for some hunting. Tanchi grunted. 
Anne broke the silence. I forgot. I have a package for you from the abbess. She ran back to her room and pulled the scroll from her drawer. She pulled the quilt off the bed and returned outside. As she had suspected, Tonchi shivered in the cool spring air. Lean forward and let me put this round your shoulders, she said. Tonchi led her. Anne sat down beside him. And you'd be better sitting over here beside me, John said. I'm fine. Anne handed Tonchi the scroll. He read it, scowled, and snapped it shut. The red moonflower crumbled over the ground. Tonchi tossed the scroll on top of it. Andre bent down, picked it up, and read aloud. Blood moons gives the gift of danger, opportunity. The red star novas, a dynasty ends, a dynasty begins. Cryptic as usual, Andre said. That's the prediction she gave me, Anne said, and the regent, the same one. It's all a game to Lachesis, Katanchi said. I can't believe how I mooned over her when I was young. We all had our follies, Andre said. She taught him his first lessons in love-making, and Tonchi, ever extreme, spent a few years of his youth as a monk of Crone. I take it these monks aren't celibate, John said. Oh, yes, they are, Andre laughed. A man who has lived as a woman shouldn't mock others, Tonchi said. Phew, Andre grinned. A woman? Maru looked aghast. You've been sheltered, no doubt about it, Andre said. No, Maru said, not from evil. Posing as a woman isn't evil, Anne said. Not what I meant, Maru said. I hate my mother. Silence again. John cut chunks of, off the venison for Anne and himself. The vampires dipped into the animal pen. Somewhere in the muddy meadow, throaty creatures called and squeaked in celebration of spring. The breeze brought smells of growing and odd perfumes. Strange constellations crowded the sky. I was in these mountains further south for a long time, Tonchi said. Those squeaks, they're little rats, can't feed on them, they're native. Amazing what can be fed on here. Frogs, snakes, deer, fox. He took a bloodworm. You'll have to show us, Andre said. Tonchi nodded. They're going to destroy Menendek, Tonchi said. March have sunships and a huge army. They may have left already. No sign of anything when we came through the crossing, Andre said. There's big battles going on, Anne said. Demeter thinks it's civil war. The ships aren't going anywhere right now. Soon we can sneak away and warn Menendek. Maybe. Tanchi fell back into silence. Andre and John turned to talk about the recorded soccer game. Small ship coming over the mountains, Demeter said. Rebel. Didn't take them long, John said. They all jumped up, snapped the chairs shut, and rushed everything but the table, awning, and barbecue into the kit into the ship. Demeter pulled up the ramp and bristled on alert. John handed out the bells, belts and lasers. They crowded into the control room. Vampire rescuers acknowledge. A dark-skinned soldier appeared on the view screen. We know you're in this valley. Anne started to respond. John touched her shoulder. I better on this planet, he said. Demeter, translate in a male voice. Acknowledged. Thank you for your help. John made sure the stranger's view screen would only show himself. Permission to land, the soldier asked. Since you're the cause of the latest offensive by the Puritans, we'd like a meeting. John glanced at the others. Andre nodded. How many in your crew, John asked. Myself and three others. Permission to land, John said. Demeter stopped reflecting the meadow, returned to her usual gray skin. The rebel shuttle landed on the far side of the field. The shuttle door opened and two soldiers in battle fatigues, 
with guns thrust forward, reconnoitred. They jumped out. Behind them came two more soldiers. They all stood beside the shuttle. Put down the ramp, John said. Andre and I'll meet them. It's my ship, Anne said. Our ship. Look after the controls, John said. Andre and he put on the white Menendek space armor. Demeter let down the ramp. The two of them stepped out of the ship. Their lasers were drawn. The two parties moved into the center of the field. What do you want? John asked. How's the vampire? The soldier behind the others asked. He's recovering, John said. I'm Captain Dinesh, cousin to Harry and Harinda, nephew of Gulab Rajmunder, Mother Rose. Sorry, no idea who they are. You know, St. Harold, the boy the vampire murdered many years ago. He did? John asked. I captured March from long ago, Andre said. Typical of them to make him a saint. Can we speak to the vampire? You can take your pick, Andre said, if you put down your weapons. There's more than one vampire? He changed you? I'm the same as I've always been, Andre said. Put down your weapons. And you? I'm human, John said. The soldiers put down their weapons on the ground. John and Andre followed. Andre removed his helmet. My aunt said your name's Tonchi, the rebel leader said. I'm Prince Andre, his brother. Andre flashed his fangs. That's why your ship translates, Captain Dinish said. No, Andre shouldn't have said that, Anne said to Tonchi. They'll put together that we know the route crossing to march. Fleet's not coming. Tonchi clutched the back of a controlled chair, his knuckles white. Come to our ship, Andre led the way to Demeter. Anne took Tonchi's arm. Let's sit down in the lounge. He sat down in the easy chair. Anne sat down in her chair and asked Maru to bring in the kitchen chairs. He muttered under his breath but went and brought them in. Anne likes boots off, John said in the airlock. You've a woman aboard? Dinesh asked to the sounds of boots dropping. My sister's the ship's captain, John said. They say women did such things in the old days, Dinesh said. I'm a woman too, Demeter changed her voice. As all ships are, John said. Not ours, Andre said. No sex at all. Ours are male, Dinesh said. What a surprise, Anne muttered. The men walked into the lounge. The soldiers gave brief bows. Good evening, Kuang Tanchi, Captain Dinesh said. Good evening, Tanchi gestured. This is my son, Meru, who's the actual Kuang of Menendek. I don't understand, Captain Dinesh said. I am the Kuang, Meru said although I assume my mother's decided she's Kuang now. You're all rather high up to be without an army, Dinesh said. And how'd you get here? Followed another ship, Anne said quickly. Your people don't know the way here? Only you, Dinesh said? What are your intentions towards my people if you win your war? Tonchi asked. Winning the war, that's a big if, Dinesh said. Your rescue started a full offensive by the Puritans that we weren't quite ready for. I know a way into the command center in New London. With help, I could disable the sunships and give your side an advantage by destroying the heart of the Puritans' communication, but not if you intend to attack my people. Only the Puritans have a quarrel with vampires. They think you're devils. It's obvious you're aliens. The finding of the first civilized sentient beings should be celebrated, not destroyed. You're not well enough for this, Andre said. I have to, and Amarda leave soon for Menendek. Tonchi said, as soon as they destroy the rebels, I would think. How can we work together? Dinesh asked. If you could create a diversion over New London, I can infiltrate the prison and the center beside it. 
Not alone, Andre said. I'm coming with you. Me too, Maru and, and John said. And me, Anne said. You need a native speaker, Dinesh said, instead of a woman. Yes, not Anne and Maru, Tanchi said. You stay and look after Demeter. I can't believe you'd side with these sexes, March. I killed a man trying to protect you, Anne said, not to mention the risk of rescuing you. I've been practicing and know how to fight, Maru said. I could have done this alone, Tanchi said. I doubt it, Andre said. You need someone to cover you. However, esteemed Excellency Maru will look after the ship. She needs a person aboard for her to operate. I can't run a ship? Maru crossed his arms. I run myself, Demeter said, but I can't fly away without a person giving the commands. Too bad, Excellency. Maru sighed. Anne gathered the first tiny flowers from the mountain meadow. She couldn't sleep today, not knowing what the white night would bring. This morning brought back happy memories of playing outside as a child. Not that she had a lot of happy early memories, but exploring the scrub near the base housing was one of them. She should come out more often during the day. The sun prickled her bare shoulders. She had put on sunblock and a wide-brimmed hat, but even so, it was time to take her fair skin inside. More freckles, for sure. Anne wandered back into the ship. A show murmured in the parlor. Tanchi sat on the couch with his arms around his drawn-up legs, his chin resting on his knees. He stared at a nature show of Ganymede, brightly-hued woolly lizards mated on a barrel tree. Anne walked to the kitchen, pulled a clear plastic vase from the top cupboard, and half-filled it with water. She arranged the wildflowers, carried them into the parlor, and slid the base of the vase into the ring in the middle of the coffee table. Things could get bouncy for Demeter over the next few days. Very nice, Tanchi said. I'm glad you think I've improved. Can't sleep? Anne plopped down beside him. His brows knit. You smell of burning. Demeter turned up the lights. Anne glanced at her slightly pink shoulder. No problem. A bit of sunburn cream will do the trick. It won't blister or anything, just more freckles. Thought I'd be okay in this mild sunlight. Demeter dimmed the lights. Tanchi shuddered. You be careful. Anne tossed her hat on the ottoman. I am. Don't snarl at my concern. He put his lips to her shoulder and looked up at her. Anne stared into their deep green. My, what big eyes you have. I know this tale. All the better to see you with. He wrapped his arms around Anne. She hugged him back. He pushed his lips into hers. Their tongues explored each other. They fell back on the couch. Tanchi on top of Anne. She felt his arousal hard against her stomach. His hand rubbed her clothed breast. They had reached the point beyond which Anne should not go. Mike pulling at her clothes rushed into her mind. She stiffened and her arms fell to her side. Tanchi stopped kissing and fondling her and lifted himself up. Everything all right? Yes, don't do too much. He smiled down at her. I won't, though I don't understand. Our young are always more than eager for their first experience. I'm quite skilled. Anne found herself grinning. I'm sure you are, considering your past. No, it's not that. Is it because you're fertile? We're different enough. I'm sure we can't reproduce. I can wear protection. Or is it the difference that bothers you? My religion says I must be married. Then what can I do? I may not come back from this, and I would like to see your breasts before I die. Anne giggled. Tanchi looked hurt. Yes, you can see my breasts. She pulled off her T-shirt and cotton sports bra. 
Ooh, freckles there here too. They are perfect. Tanchi put his mouth to her nipple and sucked, and felt it down the whole length of her body. He was skilled. She thought of the mission, of Tanchi dying, of herself captured by the march. They would rape her. Was that what she wanted for her first time? What did the church care about her anyway? Euphemia and her light rejecting her. It's all right. Go ahead, she whispered. Be my first time. You sure? The march could rape me. I'll kill them, every one, before they touch you. He took off his t-shirt and exercise pants, then pulled down her trousers and underpants. The air felt cool on her skin. Your hair's red down there, he said. You've seen that kind of thing before, I'm sure, Anne blushed. No, this is not the time to speak of that woman. Don't put me off. Sorry. Tanchi smiled down at her. Now, let me thank you for all your kindness to me. Before she could retort, he parted her legs, and his mouth and tongue went down to search below her nest of red hair, sucking, flickering, massaging, and climaxed and climaxed. He moved his mouth back to her breast, and his hand carried on the work between her legs. When he finally entered her, it was smooth with none of the pain she'd been expecting. He filled her, came together. A door slid open down the hall. Maru, Demeter whispered. Anne panicked and attempted to slide off the couch. Tanchi held her tight and pressed her against the crack between the couch back and the, uh, and the cushions. They clung together. Maru passed by the parlor door, muttering to himself. They heard the bathroom door open. When he peed, Anne got the giggles. She pressed her face against Tanchi's chest. His chest rumbled as he caught her laughter. He snorted into the cushions. They both became aroused again. Maru finished and walked back past the door to his own room. His door closed. He didn't flush. After all the times I've told him, Anne said. This led to another quiet wave of hilarity. You need to move to the bedroom, Anne said. Yes. Tanchi dug around his fallen pants and brought out his sweatband. It's unused. He placed it between Anne's legs. You'll need this when you sit up. Anne put her hand against the bandana. It was soaked. Thank you. You'll want to clean yourself, I think, he said. And sadly, flush for him. Sadly, yes. They gathered up their clothes and crept to the bathroom, then to bed, where Anne insisted they start all over again. Eventually, sleep came and stayed undisturbed. Thank you for listening. And as always, if you can't wait until the next podcast, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash forgottenfantasy. For $5, you can get a copy of the book read from from where you left off we do live stream although we haven't been lately my husband's quite ill we've been kind of putting a pause on our our streaming but we stream live on youtube periodically and that's under the gamersological name we have facebook it's facebook.com slash forgotten fantasy our twitter is at gamersological as always hope y'all take care and good health bye-bye now